0: Oh, Father God, it is my heart's cry that your Son Jesus would be my center, that he would be my source and my power. And it would be his face that we could see through the preaching of your word. Because your word reminds us that there's a battle, there's a battle that rages inside of us, even your children, a life and death battle of flesh and spirit. So God, come with with gospel power and bring life to the deadness of our flesh and bodies and souls. Oh, Jesus, light of the world, would you come and would you shine brightly upon us? Would you open up our minds to help us understand who you are, and who you've called us to be. Oh, God, would you give us ears to hear, not my words, they're worthless. Your words, they're eternal. God, lovingly, give us new hearts that beat for you. God, cause us through the power of your spirit to bear the fruit of the spirit in our lives through the preaching and the reading and the obeying of your word. God, come with with such power and such authority that, that we walk out of here in newness of life. We walk out of here lovingly obedient to you, to your kingdom, to your word. God, the things that I say that are wrong or that are merely my opinion, may they fall away quickly and be forgotten. But the things that are said, that contain the good news of Jesus, use those things to make us more like Jesus. and It's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. It was back in August of 1989 that a pregnant Katie and I moved back to Florida to raise our family uh, and bought our first home. And for Katie, she's a native Floridian, grew up here in Winter Park. This was a homecoming. But for me, uh, after four years of college and a few years back up in the northeast, I was coming back to stay and to raise my family and to buy a home and to firsthand discover the perils of trying to grow a lawn in Florida. Have you been there? I mean, unbelievable. A house, we bought a great house, a great, amazing first house that God provided us. Uh, uh, Right off the bat, I knew I was in some trouble because they said I didn't have a a sprinkler system. Uh, And they said that that green stuff that uh, occupied our yard, that what was grass was called bahia, but clearly the weeds had one and had most of the lawn in complete control. It didn't take long until I was coveting my neighbor's grass. St. Augustine. You know, have you ever seen the way they edge that stuff? Is there anything better looking than a nicely edged St. Augustine grass? Amen. Amen. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and before you knew it, I was coveting. But I tell you what, is there a bigger misnomer than calling it St. Augustine? Is there anything saintly about that stuff? I'm telling you, it's evil. It's evil stuff. But here's what we did. You know, I wanted to uh, kind of uh, have that that green lush carpet of St. Augustine. So we saved our pennies, saved our pennies to the day that we could go ahead and and get ourselves a real lawn. And here's where I started really going awry. I thought I'm going to save a little money and I'm going to do as much myself as possible. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm absolutely pathetic around the house, can't hardly do a thing, certainly don't have a green thumb, but when it comes to killing things, I thought I might be able to start there. I'd already pretty much killed the grass that was there, so it was pretty easy spraying stuff on it to kill it. And then one weekend, I I rented a tiller. That weekend was about three years. I'm telling you, it was a long weekend to to till, and I I promise you, I was on a hill uh, to till what was dead there, the, the grass that remained that was dead and the weeds and to dig it all up uh, to be able to get rid of it all. We had to, to get rid of all of it because we want to make sure that all that bad stuff will never grow back again. And then what do you got to do? You got to put a sprinkler system in, right? So you rip all out, you kill it all, you, you, uh, you kill yourself getting it out then then you have to uh, put in a sprinkler system. Now now those of you who are wondering now Jeff you didn't put it in no I didn't all right that's where any any gifts any you know ripping things out yes anything that connects no um, and after that laying down the sun. I thought that that evil weekend would be the end of hard work but oh how I was wrong Saint Augustine grass. Is it not something that you continually have to battle with? Is it not true? What grows naturally in your yard? Is it not weeds? What grows naturally? You don't have to do anything. But if you want to have that perfectly edged, nice yard of the month, you better have a lot of water and a lot of fertilizer in time to go pull those rotten weeds. Well, I tell you what, it really did uh, change my life and and pretty much I've surrendered and uh, come by my house and you probably won't see a lot of St. Augustine grass, but that's another story. Hey, when you look at thinking about looking at um, uh, trying to keep and cultivate a healthy yard, believe it or not, there's some similarities between trying to keep and cultivate a healthy yard and cultivating a godly life. Cultivating a life that will produce not weeds of the flesh, produce fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at Scripture we're going to realize that uh, uh, God has called us. He's called us to uh, produce a fruit of His presence, fruit of the Spirit that acknowledges the reality that He is in our lives. God calls us that we are to dig up, to kill, to mortify, to put to death the weeds of the flesh. That we are to be connected to the ultimate sprinkler system. The giver of living water. And we are to live our lives in a way that is fruitful for him. Now you may sit here and say, okay, so we're going to have a series here uh, on having a fruitful life. But let me tell you, this is a whole lot more than your best life now. Okay? When God tells us that his his will for us is to have a fruitful life, scripture tells us that we are going to do one of two things. That we are going to live our lives walking in the flesh. And what that means is walking in our natural sinful nature, uh, doing those things that were listed on the screen, naturally sinning and disobeying a holy God that's walking in the flesh. Or we will be walking in the spirit. Letting God rule and reign our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, and walking in a manner worthy of the gospel and pleasing him. And he says, and listen, this is so important. This is life and death. He says that uh, for those who walk in the flesh, they will die. Scripture said, we just read it. uh, Those who walk in the flesh, they, they don't inherit eternal life. They don't get into the kingdom of God. But those who walk in the spirit live. Let me start also by saying, I want you to know all of us wrestle with this. All of us, no matter where we are uh, with our relationship with God is in a wrestle. But it's very important. It's life and death. It's more than that. Because we read there, it says says that, that God is glorified by the fruit that we produce. That God receives glory. And that's our primary purpose. God has created us to fill this earth With his story, his love, his image, he chooses to use us. And the way he does that is through uh, our lives producing fruit for him called fruit of the Spirit. So it's important because it's life and death. It's important because that's our primary purpose in life. God has called us primarily to, to bring him glory, to know and enjoy him. And to fill the earth with his story. So it's primary there. It's important because we're going to spend as a church family for the next 10 weeks. We're going to be looking at the fruit of the spirit. Uh, Each week we're going to be looking at one of these words like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And we're going to study it and wrestle it together. As a matter of fact, 270 of you will be in 20 community groups And we will together during the week be wrestling. What does this mean? So it's an incredible, important part of God's word for us to have a fruitful life. Listen, the life God intended for us to have. But the first thing that must happen in order for us to have that fruitful life that God intended for us is for us to be connected to God. Now, there is a pretty good no-brainer, isn't it? If we're going to live for him, uh, we're going to bear fruit for him. Uh, Scripture says we're going to be the aroma of Christ. We are going to be the ambassadors of Christ, the storytellers of Christ. We are going to be the light of the world. We're going to be those called out of darkness into light. We're going to be his beloved. If that's the true, boy, we got to be connected. So if you want to follow along in the bulletin, you'll see an outline there. And the first thing is this. We need to be connected true to the true vine if we are to produce fruit. You see, it's always been God's will for his children to be connected to him. It's always been God's will for us to have a relationship with him that is a mystical relationship. It's a an amazing unified relationship. He calls it oneness in Christ Jesus. But it's always been God's will that we, his family, his children, would be bearing his fruit. As a matter of fact, as we look at Scripture, we open it up, the first commandment we ever receive is this. Be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. God places us in paradise, he places us in a garden, and he says, now I want you to go, and I want you to fill this whole earth with my glory, and this is how you do it, you go and you bear fruit from the relationship that you and I have together. It's called the fruit of the spirit. So God uses this imagery of a vine, he says, as a matter of fact, he says, my people Israel, they're like a vine. If you read, if you want to write this down, it's an interesting passage, Psalm 80, uh, verses 8 through 14 talks about uh, the people of God, Israel being God's vine. He says this, he says, I called you out of Egypt, which means for the Old Testament people, I called you out of slavery. I'm giving you new life and I'm planting you as my vine in the promised land. Now here's his point. He says, I'm going to call you my vine because I want you to go and I want you to spread out through all the earth, it's always been God's plan, in a way that tells my story and bears my fruit. I want you to be my vine. Well, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 2.21 says that that vine of God, the nation of Israel, was planted with a pure seed, but that they became corrupt. Degenerate is the word it uses. And they became that wild, useless vine weeds that you have in your backyard and I have in mine. So the story it was in peril. What is God going to do? He wants his people to bear his fruit. He wants his people to be connected to him. Well, Jesus emerges and Jesus in the gospel of John, John 15 says some very, very interesting language, especially those who have been around the Old Testament. He comes out and says, now, listen, I am the true vine of God. I am the true vine. That, that vine that you read about was really just foreshadowing me. That was really pointing to me that you can only bear fruit through me. Let's look to John 15. We're going to look at John 15 and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 this morning as we hear Jesus saying that the only way, only way we could ever bear fruit is if we are connected to Him. John 15, verse 1 says this I am the true vine. Jesus says, And my father is the wine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, Those who don't bear fruit, well, they'll be cut off. But those who do, by the way, they get the shears too. They get trimmed and cut. Maybe you feel like God might be shaping you this morning. The point is, For you and me to bear even more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What an amazing contrast. I mean, Jesus is saying we have to be united to him by God's grace through faith and and remain in him. And as we do, we get to produce much fruit. But apart from him, apart from Jesus, we could do nothing to please the Father. We could do nothing to bear fruit in our lives. Apart from Jesus, nothing. Nothing. If you abide in me and my uh, words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. You see, this is our purpose. By this, my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, this fruit that God has called us to not only glorifies God, but it also tells the world that we're his we, we become like the aroma of Christ, like, a, like a, a fresh squeezed orange. You can just smell that you're going to have that juice. We are now in Christ Jesus, the aroma of Christ. And we prove to the world that he loves and he lives through us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that you... Uh, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Amazingly, God says the only way for you to have a fruitful life the only way to you experience love. Did you hear what he just said? The only way for you to know joy and joy complete is if we abide, we remain in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we we have a relationship with him. We see Jesus for who he really is. He is the son of God. He is the savior of sinners. We come to him. We kneel before him. We ask him into our lives. We say, God, come and and be my center. Come and be my power. Come and, and be my identity. Be my reality. Come, let me remain in you. Let me find my life in you. And I will truly live. That was it means to abide in Jesus. And as we abide in Jesus, as we draw near to him through his word, we draw near to him through fellowship, we bear fruit. We, we, we become his storytellers and others can see Jesus in our lives. Apart from him, it says we can do nothing Nothing in God's eyes. We see the reality is this. We're going to talk about cultivating the fruit of the spirit. We're going to spend a lot of time borrowing down on each word, love, joy, peace, patience over the next several weeks. But we have to begin with the reality that it's all futile. It's, 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 it's a useless exercise unless we are connected to Jesus by God's grace through faith. Unless we are connected and we are living our life on the vine the vine of Jesus Christ, we have been grafted in by God's grace through faith. We have come to believe that he is our savior. He has brought us into his family. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. He has set an eternal love on us. And once we are there in his, then we can live and walk with him. He'll he has cleaned us up and he has saved us so that we can walk with him. It's always been God's desire for man and God to walk together. And scripture will continue to say say, walk in Christ, be imitators of Christ and bear my fruit. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you connected to the true vine? Are you connected to the true vine? It's, it doesn't happen because of religion. And it doesn't happen because of church membership. It doesn't happen because of baptism. Those are important things. The only way you're mystically, amazingly connected to the true vine is have you asked Christ Jesus in your life as Lord and Savior. It begins there. But well, once we have this amazing relationship with him, it calls us a new creation. We, we went from that bahia, weedy grass to an incredible new life, a new life in Christ. But the work's not done. Now we have weeds to kill. It's called works of the flesh that I'm calling weeds of the flesh. Ten years ago today, our country was reminded of the horror of death and the deeds of evil. We saw saw the face of evil in a whole new way, didn't we? And there became a national cry, we must put to death evil. I mean, we were a country who declared war on terror. And we spent millions and millions of dollars and we've shed the blood of our children to fight and to weed out evil and say we must put it to death with some great success, but we know the battle still rages. Let's go back to our lawn analogy. If you want a lush St. Augustine lawn, you know that you're going to have to continually put to death any weeds that spring up. What do you have to, have to do to have weeds grow? Absolutely nothing, right? Naturally, they're going to grow. Naturally, it's going to happen. What do you need to do to walk in the flesh? Absolutely nothing. Naturally, you're going to do it. What are you going to do to live a life that's, that, that continually stumbles, that stumbles into sin, that's displeasing the Lord? What are you going to have to do? Nothing. It's going to happen naturally. So there has to be something to, done to fight that. And Scripture says we are going to have to battle battle and put to death our sinful nature. Amazing language that scripture uses. Scripture doesn't say, hey, when it comes to these things of the flesh, be careful about them. It doesn't say, hey, you may want to put a little fertilizer on them. It may want to say, you need to spend some time with it. He says this, when it comes to the weeds of the flesh, put them to death, kill them, pull them out. Yank them out of your life. Listen to Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly or fleshly in you. Similar list, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put it to death. Romans eighteen eight thirteen says this. For you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Scripture says, put it to death. Well, how do we, how do we put to death? The deeds of the flesh that comes so naturally. How do we do it? Well, Romans eight thirteen has the answer. It says this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. So there's two things that are going to have to come out of this. Two things. One is this. Make no provisions for the flesh whatever that was on that list that you struggled with is sexual immorality impurity envy covetness any immorality whatever on that list that you struggle with cuz we're all struggling here's what it's saying don't let there be anything that will you will provide for that to gratify that don't feed it at all let's make it more practical if you struggle with materialism don't go into a store loaded up with credit cards If you struggle with alcoholism, you shouldn't have alcohol in your refrigerator or find yourself in bars. If you struggle with pornography, you should have Covenant Eyes or some program that someone's helping you monitor or get the internet out of your house. I mean, maybe there might be some relationships you have to break off. There may be some lifestyle things you have to change. God's word is very clear. Make no provision for the flesh. None. Kill it. Get rid of it. Listen, naturally, we're going to go that way. Naturally, we're going to go right toward evil. And God loves us so much, he knows that that will never give us life. That will never satisfy. Because God so loves us, he says, kill it. Because it's a false God. It's going to rob you of life in the end. But listen, don't even give it a moment. Don't, don't, no provision. Nothing. This is radical. This is tough. But I think the reality is, is we live our lives and say, well, Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. He knows I'm going to struggle. It's okay. He knows that I'm struggling over here. Yes, he'll never stop loving you. But his word says, make no provision for the flesh. Tear it out. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to stumble, get rid of it. Taking God's word seriously so we can bear his fruit. But it's more than just ripping out the weeds. I mean... My, my neighbors would think I'm the biggest idiot. I would confirm that I'm the biggest idiot if the first thing I did was kill the grass, rip it all out, put it in a sprinkler system, and don't put anything down, right? We got to put, put, put on the St. Augustine, put on. And What scripture says this is that we need to put on Christ Jesus. We need to put on Jesus and make sure that we are walking with him, making sure that we are led by him, we're living for him. What does it mean to put on Jesus? It basically is saying, Jesus, you really are my center. Jesus, really, you are my hope. Jesus, you really are my life. I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna gonna put off the old. Please help me. I'm gonna put on what Christ Jesus has done. You know what that includes? Listen, that includes when you put on Jesus, you put on his righteousness. You You just... Remember the blood that was shed that just washed you and washed me. You, you put on the righteousness of God and you, we can stand before a holy God, beloved, with great joy. What, a, what an amazing privilege it is. Put on Christ. Walk with him. Be in his word. Walk with his Holy Spirit. I kind of think about this. If uh, you really want to get into shape, there probably should be two things you should do. You should not only diet, you should exercise, right? I mean, you probably change the way you eat if you're going to get serious about health. And, and some of you are there, and some of us have a long way to go. But um, you want to change your diet, and you also want to exercise. A lot of ways to get healthy, we need both components. And that's what Scripture is telling us. You've got to do this. You've got to change your diet. Put to death. The weeds, put to death those things that are gonna kill you in the long run and put on and exercise, put on health and walk with Christ Jesus. What weeds of the flesh do you need to pull out and put to death? Let me encourage you, go back to that list. I mean, it's just, it's a partial list of the deeds of the flesh. What are you making provisions for? And lastly, being fertilized and watered by the Spirit. If you have St. Augustine grass, you better be watering it. Is it not true? You better be fertilizing it. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, well, it kind of needs the same. Uh, we need to be continually watered uh, with a relationship with Christ. We need to be conti- completely fertilized uh, in worship together, in community group. Hearing God's Word. Being in God's Word. Walking with Him. Listen to what, listen to what the Scripture says. In verse 16, it says this, we're to walk by the Spirit. That's our conduct. Verse 18, it says we're to be led by the Spirit. That's conformity to his will. God, I'm going to follow after you. In verse 25, it says we're going to live by the Spirit. We're going to have this amazing unity with you. Why? 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 So that we can bear fruit and tell his story. I love growing up where I did in upstate New York because, uh, especially where my folks have a cottage, it's all farms and a beautiful farmland. But do you know anybody who works harder than farmers? I mean, I mean, farmers—they uh, got to get up early. They're usually uh, out late. I mean, they're 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 like dirt under their nails. They're hard working folks usually. But do you know that the hardest working farmer can never produce a healthy crop on his own, ever? the hardest working farmer doing all the right things using all the right tools at all the right time can never do it on his own who does he have to wait on and rely on god i mean it's amazing it's god who makes that seed die and become to life it's god who raises up a crop it's god who causes things to bear fruit and that's the truth with you and me too you see, this fruit of the Spirit is not going to be orange wood. Listen up, we got to buck up and try a little harder here. We've got to make sure that we're living a life that God is pleased with. And there's part of it where it is our job to do those things and to put to death the flesh and to live by God's grace. But here's the beautiful thing. What God requires, God provides. What God requires, God provides. And God is with us. And He will help us. And He will cause us to be fruitful. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Did you hear that paradox? He says this again. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's basically saying, okay, you're connected to the vine. You have new life in Christ. Now, with with great energy, work that salvation out. Pull out the weeds. Put no provisions to the flesh. Make sure you're doing everything you can to bear fruit for Jesus. That is your job. But what does God say? It is God who will work his will in us to his good pleasure. Isn't that great news? That he's going to say, I'm going to cause you to bear fruit. I'm going to tell my story for you. I want your life to be so fruitful. People want to know and love me. What an amazing God. Work out your salvation pulling out the weeds of the flesh, walking by the Spirit, producing godly fruit. How is it with you? Are you producing fruit for God or walking in the flesh? Well, God, one of the ways, one of the greatest ways that he works out his salvation in us and one of the ways he causes us to bear fruit, it's all by his grace. The fact that we know and love him by his grace. All that Jesus has done by his grace. But you know that Jesus, even though he's already paid for our debts on the cross, even though his blood was shed for us, do you know that he gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to be inside of us and bear fruit? And do you know he gave us a meal to feed us, to help us to bear fruit? He said, this is a meal that I'm going to use in a a mystical way. In a mystical way that's going to empower you. It's going to feed you to go and bear fruit. And I want you to do this and remember me. And I want you to do this and I'm going to be with you. But here's what he says about this meal. He says, this meal is only for those who live their life on the vine. Only for those who are connected to me. Don't do this meal in a hypocritical way. So if you're here today and your life isn't really on the vine, you're not really connected to Jesus by God's grace through faith. Please don't partake of a meal that says you have. Scripture says it's dangerous to do so. So more importantly take Jesus. Are you here today? By his grace, are you connected to the true vine? Do you know the Father's love through Christ? There's a meal for you. He wants to feed you today. But there's another thing we got to do. He says that we're to examine ourselves when we take this meal. He says that we shouldn't have any of these weeds of the flesh, works of the flesh that are so evident in our life that we're just practicing them and there's, there's no hint of remorse and there's, we really aren't even asking for forgiveness anymore. He says we can't come to this meal until we've kind of examined our hearts and we've said, God, would you help me pull out the weeds of the flesh? I know you love me and I know you'll forgive me. I know you'll be merciful for me, but God, I confess. So before you come, if you are connected to the vine, take a few moments and examine your heart You need to do business with Jesus. He is more eager to forgive than any of us could be as eager to confess. But pull out those weeds before you come to this table and then come and feed on Christ. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for the amazing privilege that our lives can be connected to Jesus. And we can live our lives on the vine, the true vine of Christ. Because, God, it's always been your desire, always been your will for us, that we would bear your fruit. So, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come with power. And that for those in this room that, that maybe thought they were connected to Jesus through religion or another way. God, that today would be the day that they would embrace Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be connected to the vine and given new life. But God, for the rest of us that are yours, God, I pray that you would feed us through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the broken bread and this, this wine in a way that strengthens us, reminds us that we're yours and that feeds us. God, I pray for each one of us that we would examine our hearts. Even now. God, you'd help us pull out the weeds, the weeds of the flesh we all have. Thank you for being so loving that you love us in the midst of all this. Thank you for feeding us. Come, make us fruitful for you, we pray in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask uh, the pastors, uh, Doug Fleming is going to join me and Joe Creech and a couple of our elders. Let me give you a couple of words of instruction. Um, We're going to come forward with the intention method of communion. Um, For those of you connected to the vine who have uh, the opportunity to come and feed on Christ, um, let me tell you that we're going to uh, uh, rip a piece of bread uh, from uh, the loaf, the broken loaf, and dip it into the uh, juice. Uh, Make sure you get a big enough piece. All right, Uh, it's okay. Don't be bashful. We got plenty. Um, If gluten is a problem with bread for you, each table has a a plate of gluten-free bread. And so if you have a dietary issue of that, uh, we have that for you today. Um, But what a privilege it is for us to gather in Christ's name. It was on the very night that Jesus was betrayed, that he had, after he had given thanks to the Father, he took bread and he broke it he said, this is my body given for you. It represents my broken body so that you could be healed. Do this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's shed for the forgiveness of sin for many, well, for all of my children. I want you to do this also in like manner in remembrance of me. Remember, your sins have been forgiven. You've been washed. Now come as a part of the vine and bear fruit for me. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and do that only which you could do, that you would feed us today, spiritually feed us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your broken body in which we could be healed. Thank you for your shed blood in which we could be forgiven. Thank you that you have grafted us into Christ. And this meal is a tangible expression signifying that reality that you're, we're yours. You're our God and we are your people. And you've called us to bear your fruit. So God, would you use this meal to cause us to bear your fruit? to help us put to death the deeds of the flesh. All for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The deacons will dismiss you uh, by aisle. Uh, so you can come on up. And uh, um, if you're unable to come forward, there'll be someone who will uh, come to you uh, with the elements, but please come.